Amen. Habakkuk 2.2. Then Adonai answered me and said, write down the vision, make it plain on the tablets so that the reader may run with it. So has God given you a vision for yourself at Sharesh David? Has God given you a vision for Sharesh David? Has God given you a vision for yourself in the Messianic movement? Many people come to our congregation for a few months, six months, a year, two years, and then go on their way. The people who stay have a vision. They have a vision. Proverbs 29:18 says, where there is no divine vision, people cast off restraint. Most of the translations just say, where there is no vision. But the thing about this word, the word is chazon, and it means divine vision. It, it, refer, it's, it means vision, but it refers to something beyond just seeing something. This is something from God. This is a word from God. So um, now look, it, and, and I realize the King James says where there's no vision, the people perish. But uh, probably a better translation is that they cast off the restraint, which actually changes it quite a bit. But you can see here that, but blessed is the one who keeps Torah, who keeps the word of God. And um, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens to the end and will not fail. If it should be slow in coming, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. So it's, it's not really talking about how some people talk about this scripture, uh, about a vision uh, for, your, for your future. It really has to do more with a vision from God and, and a word from God. So the way I look at this is when there is no prophetic word or application of that word in your life, your restraints, which are the borders um, that keep you on a straight and narrow path, are removed. And that will end up causing spiritual death. That's why it says that we're blessed when we keep Torah. The Torah is our vision from God, the prophetic word that keeps us on the straight and narrow. And it also gives us a vision for ourselves. It gives us a vision for Shoresh David. It gives us a vision for the Messianic movement. It is God's amazingly great revelation. When God's word is unavailable or rejected, the people take the restraint that's on them, you know, that's something that's on them that keeps them, it, it's made, well, some people might call it a filter. Uh, and and they, uh, they don't have that any longer. Um, when, when God's word isn't the thing that is motivating you. They no longer have a standard greater than their own feelings or current opinions. And that's why people do what they want. And I still think about New York, and I think about the people in New York are not bad people, obviously. Why would one say that? On the other hand, because God is not center into many of the people's lives who are in government, 
They cast off restraint and they do whatever they want. Imagine killing a nine-month-old fetus, baby, baby in, in the womb. I mean, just you, it's legal to do this the day before birth in New York. He just signed it yesterday. This, this is an awful, awful thing. Any rate, that's, I, I, I better not talk about that because then we'll change the whole message. But it's just, it's bothering me so much. Uh, by the way, Gosnell, the movie Gosnell, G-O-S-N-E-L-L, is now on video. It, it is number one. Uh, in terms of whatever they, whatever the class, no, it's a class within the videos, but whatever it is, it's number one, and it is, if you ever want to show somebody a movie that will cause them to say that, that uh, abortion is wrong, show that movie. It's about a fellow from Philadelphia, a doctor from Philadelphia, who we don't know how many abortions he committed, probably in the men, 20, 30,000. And um, it, it's just a horrifying movie, though they do it with taste, so you're not going to get sick at the movie, but you are going to know what right is. Any rate, I'm sorry. It's on Amazon, it's all over, yeah, yeah. Please watch, if you haven't seen that movie, watch the movie. It's, it's going to touch you. It's, it's going to touch you. So we see in Judges, uh, like Judges 7-6, Judges 21-25, it talks about when there's no king, uh, every man did what was right in his own sight. How much more when God is not there? And uh, God tells us that when we keep his word, We'll be happy. We'll be content. God's restraint is not oppressive. When we think of restraint, we think of something that is oppressive. In fact, why don't you go down two picture, uh, two slides, and we'll see some oppressive. Now another slide. There we go. See, that's oppressive. See those two boys? Well, the caption is, my, your children are well-behaved but they can't move because they're tied down. And that, that would be oppressive. God does not oppress us. God gives us opportunity to follow the right way. And because we're not kids like that, but we are adults, we need to follow what he says. At any rate, in the parashah this week, uh, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Later in Exodus, we find that the people who did not have God's word while they were waiting for Moses were unrestrained and built a golden calf. We see in Exodus 32:25. if you want to go, yeah, great, thank you. When Moses saw that the people were unrestrained because Aaron had let them run wild, to become a joke among their enemies. Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, whoever is on Adonai's side, let him come to me. Then all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. See, God had Moses take a remnant 
from the remnant of Israel to follow his divine calling, his vision. And, and so when you have a vision, a calling from God, that enables you to overcome obstacles. You don't hear Moses speaking to all the others at this point. You know, he just, uh, he realizes it's not going to work. Just all who are with the Lord come over to this side. When you are restrained, it means something is stronger than your fleshly will. So when you're restrained, God is speaking through you rather than your flesh speaking for yourself. In order to be true to your calling, to fulfill the vision that God has placed in your heart, you must allow God's word to restrain you. It must restrain you. Be restrained in conversation in order to keep unity in the congregation. That's a great thing. Be uh, restrained from carrying out the works of the flesh. God's word is not oppressive. You are blessed when you keep it. There are two types of vision or calling that I'm going to give examples of. One is the personal vision. And that's what God has shown you as to how to apply his word in leading you and your family forward for God's glory and for his purpose. And then there's a corporate vision, which is what God has shown the leader of a congregation as to how to apply his word in leading the people forward for God's glory and purpose. And what one has to do when one is part of a congregation they have to take on the corporate vision as well as their personal vision. As we talk about vision in the coming months, we'll break it down into two categories, what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. Both of those, I believe, require vision. I feel that God has told me to focus, as I mentioned before this year, on vision, outreach, and community. But before we can truly buy into my vision, I believe we have to understand God's vision for the congregation and, and for the movement, for the Messianic movement. Certainly, the Messianic movement of the 20th and 21st century has come out of God's prophetic word. It did not just come out. It was God's prophetic word. So we see in Romans 11:25, I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. The only place where it has that kind of dis, uh, talk about the fullness of the Gentiles is found in Luke 21, 24. They'll fall, meaning the Jewish people, the, they'll fall by the edge of the sword, be led away captive into all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Which means that people will start believing in Yeshua when Jerusalem is no longer trampled down by the people who are not Jewish. And when did that happen? We know it happened in 1967. 
And so when did the beginning of the, the modern day messianic movement come? Roughly 1970, three years after the Jerusalem uh, became, uh, came into Jewish hands. I mean, this is such an amazing thing that God did to show us now, that doesn't mean that Messianic Judaism is always right. It doesn't mean the people are in it right. But, you know, we're dealing with people. And as, whenever you're dealing with people, it, there is some difficulties. But the good news is that somehow, someway, the remnant, the Messianic Judaism, is a remnant of a remnant <laughs> preserved for God's glory. That's what I see Messianic Judaism as. And so Messianic Jews are a remnant of the Jewish people who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah to the glory of God. And Messianics who are not Jewish are a remnant from the church that are seeking to follow the full counsel of God, which includes Jewishness of Yeshua and celebrating God's appointed times and believe, obviously, that Yeshua is Messiah to the glory of God. And so it, no matter who you are in this congregation, you're a remnant of a remnant, which means we're a small group. <laughs> but God uses remnants. God uses remnants. You know, Elijah had this problem. He just had the greatest success of his life, right? He was up there showing the people that all, what was it, 450 prophets of Baal died that day. And right after that, he's running away uh, because he knows that they're out to kill him. And in 1 Kings 19:18, he's, well, before that, Elijah's complaining to God. And God says, yet I have preserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouth has not kissed him. So God always has a remnant. And it takes a different form. So what's the purpose of a messianic remnant? And I think it's very clear. We want to see, and I believe God wants to see from the scripture, and we don't have time today, but over the, the coming months, we'll kind of unpack this more. See Jewish people come to know Yeshua. And to see the church come to know God's calling and vision for them, which includes uh, Romans 11.11, which says, I say then, they did not stumble, so did they, as to fall, did they? May it never be, but by their false step, meaning the Jewish people's false step, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. And this has got to be the heart of our congregation, to provoke Israel to jealousy and to help churches provoke Israel to jealousy. We are also... Uh, you know, trying to encourage the church to embrace the entire word of God, not just for reading it and not just for sermons, but to actually apply those scriptures to their lives, including, obviously, God's appointed times. And desiring 
Finally, that Messianic Jews and Christians that I believe when, as they start coming together more and more, it will be recognized that we are the one new man that God is forming. We're not forming it because, you know, we can't bring anybody together. But, um, but God brings Jews and Christians together because it was the actual prayer of Yeshua in John 17. That the people in the world would know when, when we would come together in unity. So I'll devote other messages for the future of Messianic Judaism in Scripture. But you might feel that we have not and are not making an impact. And I, I would agree. I mean, I'm never satisfied with the impact that we're making. You know, it's just not enough. However, we do the best we can, and we can't get discouraged. God has his own timing. And when I wrote that, I had no idea of the phone call that I would get this morning. But let's read the end of Proverbs 29, 18, which we read. You know, we're so caught up with the first part, you know, where there's no vision, the people will perish or throw off restraints and so on. But look what it says after that. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens to the end and will not fail. If, you, it, if it should be slow in coming, wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. God is giving that to us. If God has put a vision in your heart and mind for your children, for your family, for people who are so near and dear to you. God's not going to delay, but it's his timing. And the problem is his timing is in our timing, and let's not get frustrated. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to be diligent because God has placed a vision in us. And we have to hold on to that vision. God is telling you that this vision is for you and, and you are called to worship him and continually. And when God speaks to you, whether it's about this congregation or any other congregation, and he says, this is where you belong, then you are to bloom where he plants you. And that's why it is so important to understand where you are worshiping and why you are worshiping where you're worshiping. We can't achieve our purpose until we truly trust God. Everything hinges on our unwavering devotion to God. Jeremiah 13, 11, for just as the waistband clings to a man's waist, so I will make the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me. I love that, that, that clinging. I love that word. And then it says, why? Because we are to be a, his people, a name, a praise, and a glory. And unfortunately there it says, but they didn't obey. Joshua 22.5, only be careful to observe mitzvot and, and the Torah, which Moses, the servant of Adonai, commanded you to love Adonai, your God, to walk. These are action words. To walk in his ways, to keep his mitzvot, to cling to him, to worship him with all your heart and with all your soul.
So these are what we're to do. And look, we are to do this until we see revival like it's never happened before. And that is why we have to be committed to the work that God is doing, always remembering the vision, always remembering the aspect of Messianic Judaism. I'd like to finish with one thought. No matter whether we talk about Messianic Judaism, whether we talk about Judaism, whether we talk about any kind of theology, we always have to remember that the first has to be first in our mind and heart. And the first is Yeshua is Lord. So I'd like to close with a beautiful scripture where it was announced in Luke 2.11. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim good news to you, which will be great joy to all people. A Savior is born to you today in the city of David, who is Messiah, the Lord. Anybody who says that Messiah is not deity, this would be a classic case of blasphemy if it were not true. But we see here that when it is expressed, number one, that he is Savior, number two, that he's Messiah, and number three, that he's Lord, it means he is who he is, who we believe he is to be. If there's anybody here who has never begun that relationship with Yeshua as Savior, Messiah, and Lord, just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent for my wrongdoings, I acknowledge and receive Yeshua as my Messiah, and I will dedicate my life to him. When you say that, God will take your heart and he will give you a new heart. I, don't I, I can't explain it, I don't understand it, but I know that God doesn't. And so what a blessing it is. If that were the case for you today, I would ask that you would come up to me after services. Normally we have a song to end our worship with, but I really feel that today because of the uh, Gasparilla outreach, we have to end uh, time, we have to look at time. So I'd ask you to rise. And actually, if you'd like, you can uh, stay here and, and the worship team will do one song after the Aaronic Benediction. And, uh, or more, and the people who are going on Gasparilla can go online and eat lunch first. Also, don't forget to sign up for the cruise today because we really need your name today. So, take the hands of the people on either side of you, please, so we receive God's blessing as a family. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmerecha Ya'eh Adonai panav lecha v'yichunecha Yisadonai panav lecha V'yosem lecha shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen.